Episode 106 of Working Class on DeerCast. I'm here with Todd. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good right now. You are doing pretty <laughs> damn good, aren't you? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> um, if you're watching this on DeerCast or the WCB YouTube, you can kind of see right off the bat why Todd is doing so damn good right now. It's a giant rack on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have him held up. He's massive. He's got everything you want in a whitetail. And we're going to break down this story. So I guess the, the time of release of this episode is November 14th. So we're recording this. Literally, we've been hunting our asses off. We have. We're recording this at 8.15 Monday night. And I'm going to submit this for Deer. Hopefully it goes on time uh, for DeerCast for tomorrow and get everything done tonight so we can continue. Well, I'm going to continue the grind of hunting. Yeah. And you're going to go just back to work. Um so November 14th, things are still good. Coming into Illinois fire, first firearm season um, for a lot of guys, just doing a quick season update. Uh, for a lot of guys, that's like some pressure because for a lot of people, their whole property changes after it just gets piss pounded by, 100%. by firearm season. So, But, you know, I don't think guys need to – don't worry about filling your tag and like stressing out about it too hard because I really do think that the next – 10 days you know some deer are locked down but they're going to get up and move yeah well you know historically speaking a lot of the bigger bucks i've seen on my place have been you know right around thanksgiving time yeah because yeah. you know the ruts kind of coming towards an end or slowing down a lot of the does have been bred mm -hmm. but they're still thinking about it. the big bucks are still thinking about it and they're like okay there's a couple more out there i gotta go find her that desperately seeking yep. phase yep. yeah you can have some success with that time i remember my dad always talking about how much he loved hunting black friday sure one yeah. it's a, you get a day off yep and i always remember him not going down on my mom's side of the family because he was hunting that weekend. Right. And I always remember stories of like, oh, I saw that big buck that we talked about and he was up checking does again. Yep. So um, some of the best hunting's out of us. I always like Black Friday because of the day off. Right. And you get to go. It's a three-day weekend. Yeah, it's or usually four, good you know, weather and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, so I think a lot of great hunting ahead of us. Yep. And then that gets weird depending on how your property set up for late season stuff for a lot of guys. So right. stay after it. Um I'm feeling the burn a little bit. I'm feeling the burn of the drive to the property, yeah. the hopping out and opening and shutting the gates. That sounds silly, but just after just doing it and being on the grind. and Well, it's called a grind for a reason, right? I mean, yeah. it wears you down for sure. But when this happens, yeah, it's not so bad. It's not so bad, but I will say this deer put me through the ringer, man. He, he um, You got your money's worth. I got my money's worth on this deer, no doubt about it. It's a cool cool experience in, in uh, my hunting career, you know, what I've done, and I'm super happy to have him here. So let's talk about this deer, man. This yeah. thing's a, just a stud of a whitetail, but where does the story start with this buck? The story starts um, October 14th, 15th, 16th, something like that, 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually, it's, it's kind of interesting because the first time I went um, in a ground blind, with my soon-to-be wife, Rachel, we shot a 179 and 7.8 uh, whitetail, and that was in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next time I took her out in, this, in a blind was the next year, and we saw this deer come in as a four-year-old, and probably a one, one upper 150s, lower 160s class deer, um, and he just didn't look old enough to be a deer that I really wanted to take out just yet. Yeah. So, so we kind of gave him a pass that year, but, but I definitely, which is probably hard to do. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the year before I killed a 180 and a 200, roughly. You were um, in the right mindset to pass would, a deer like that. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, I, I mean, it was, it was, he, he came at the right time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, so we let him go. And then the following year, he, he wasn't much different than he is here, but he didn't have quite as many character points. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have shot him if I had an opportunity last year because, you know, he was one of the better deer on the farm. And um, I, I was definitely after him. And, and some of the intel that I learned from him last year was actually what got him killed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a couple of ridges. There's a lot in that. There's a ton in that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, really my whole, I would say from... As soon as turkey season was over into two days ago, every single move I made on a 120-acre section of the farm was made specifically with what's this this deer's reaction to my movement going to be. Mm. If I was mowing trails on the upper portion of the farm, I, I wouldn't mow the bottoms too because if I wanted to bump him off the top, I didn't want him to feel too much pressure. I got you. Right? Yeah. I yep. just wanted this deer to feel super comfortable. Uh, I didn't want to push him around. I didn't run cameras in his area this summer. I just let him be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, John Foreman saying uh, the best food plots, no pressure. Yeah, a hundred percent. Without, a, especially on these older deer, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you let him get really super comfortable, and, and you don't try to mess him up. And he did a couple of things consistently all three years, um, and that was what I was trying to capitalize on. And you know, the first opportunity I had, there was a good cold front in the middle of October. And, and I had a stand on this one ridge. It's almost like a little saddle back in the timber. Mm-hmm. And these deer would come off of this food plot or this this uh, primary, you know, destination field. Mm-hmm. And they would come into the timber. They A lot of times they'd, they'd walk across this saddle between two ravines that kind of came from opposite directions. And uh, then they'd go across and bed on the far side of the ridge going down into a big bottom. Mm-hmm. And so I set a stand up there because the year before, 22 – there was one morning I saw him cross this saddle seven times when he was chasing does. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, come on, when are you coming over to my side of the ridge? And he never did. Yeah, there's he, something to that spot, even when he's like kind of mindlessly chasing yep. does, yep. you know? Yeah. And I'm sure in the future that spot's probably going to pay off well, too. So I mean, I'd say. This he's year, using it. Why wouldn't another big mature buck, you know? Without a doubt, right. Right. So, so I set up a stand there um, with full intentions of this deer being the deer that I was targeting there. Um and so I went in October 15th. It was a Sunday. It was a cold, nice, chilly morning for October. And um, there were, I think I saw seven or eight bucks that morning. And, and most of them were, there was one, I call him the broken G4 buck. He's probably a three-year-old that's pushing the upper 140s. He's a really nice deer that could be a good one to keep an eye on for a few years down the road. But mm-hmm. I was watching him um, work a rub and, and some scrapes down in this little draw. And then I turned around and I saw this deer um, right here. He was... 35 yards behind me, he just kind of snuck in. And so he had to walk behind this big split um, hickory tree. And when he did, I'd ranged the hickory tree before, and um, it was 25 yards, and he went behind it. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, it, it was happening quickly, right? I said, okay, the tree's 25, he's past 25, he's 30. It was just like the jump from 25 to 30 was just automatic in my head. But yeah, it was actually, yeah. so, I, so I draw, I get my 30 on him, stop him shoot and i can instantly know that I, I just saw it hit high and i go shoot that's that's probably high shoulder yeah the worst feeling yeah yeah and he he ran down into the the ravine behind him uh that draw and he stopped and he looked back and he just walked off and i was like oh that's not good mm-hmm. um 
So I gave him like three hours. I got down, found my arrow. There was about four inches of shaft missing with the broadhead gone. And um, I, I knew exactly what had happened. And, and most likely he it wasn't fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. By the way, I want to add something here. Anybody that's bow hunted long enough for whitetails will do that. That's something that just happens from time to time. Yeah, you know. Don't you agree with that, though? 100% like I do. Every single serious whitetail hunter I know um, that's been doing it, you know, consistently has had um, that experience. I, I really, unless unless they're lying, like all the 20-year hardcore yeah. bow hunting veterans, and, and then, you know, at 20-year plus, I don't know any of them that haven't had that happen to them. Right. You know? It's, it's unfortunately... I hate to say it's kind of part of the game of the the archery thing, but sucks to admit it. Yeah, it does. That it's, um, but yeah, it is part of the archery. It is. It deal. is. So so. Anyways, with this one, um, yeah, <laughs> go, replay and see what happened. Why did I shoot high? What was going on there? And you know, that jump in my head from twenty five to thirty should have went from twenty five to, to twenty six. He's he's a yard behind. You know, a tree. Yeah, a tree's not five yards deep. Yes, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I messed that up. and I, You're doing the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Why'd I do this when I should have done this? And well, I, what right. was I thinking? Yeah, 100%. And, and so at least I under, identified what the problem was there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I didn't run trail cameras on this deer all summer. But when end of, October, or end of September, I pretty much flooded his area. All the very accessible areas mm-hmm. that I could monitor. Yeah. Um, food plots, uh trail entry exits going into destination plots um some internal cameras too where you know i could pass them when i was going in and out of a stand right just right. letting them soak and so i was gathering a lot of intel on this deer and he was super regular in this one spot um i actually this summer um middle of september i went out and i did a thing that first time i've ever done it and it worked out really well i took some like four inch diameter treated fence posts mm-hmm and I uh, I put them out in the middle of these food plots, and I just drilled a hole in them and put some oak branches coming off for scrape. Great trees. idea, yeah. Yeah, I mean, tons of guys. There's all, it's all over YouTube and stuff, and there's a bunch of guys doing it in different ways. And I did four of them this year, and, and um, three of them, the the bucks just instantly took to them and got some of my best footage uh, that I've ever gotten of deer. And I think it's it's almost like a really good spot just to kind of get the roll call of who's in there and yeah, what's yeah. what's in the area. Um, because kind of like you to it. Similar to a mock scrape, but just yeah, a little different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, basically, I positioned them in front of ground blinds and food plots, where if a deer comes into the food plot, he's going to just want to go over there and, and check it. Be distracted with that instead yep. of you. And yep. yeah, for sure, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, it works well. So especially for these trail cameras. So he was extremely regular at one of them, and it was a couple hundred yards from where this stand was set up. And so I shouldered him, and, and I was you know obviously very concerned about it. Um, he didn't miss a beat. Like three days later, I'm getting pictures of him and his shoulder looked completely healed up. There's a little dark spot mm-hmm. in the pictures, but he was walking fine. I had videos where he's coming in, he's working scrapes, he's scraping with that shoulder, that leg. And I mean, it's a testament to how tough these animals are. It's amazing. It's insane. It really is. And how so, fast they heal. Like yeah. if that would happen to us, we'd be toast. Oh, completely for a while. <laughs> so, so he was right back on his feet. Didn't really seem too phased by it. And so I, I, you know, Definitely didn't want to put too much pressure on him um, right away again, so I just kind of stayed back a little bit until I, I love that October twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth time frame. Yep, yep. So I just kind of put it in the back of my mind of okay, I'm going to take a couple weeks here and just let him 
settle down, let things just chill out, and yep. then I'll go back in. And so um, I, I was in the same stand uh, actually on Halloween, and it was pretty windy that day. Mm-hmm. And there was another buck that's um, a really nice one back in the same area. And I hadn't seen either of them, and those were the two that I was kind of hoping to get one of. And uh, when I was walking out that day, the other big buck was bedded down kind of back on the trail getting out. And so I kind of forgot about this deer for a day or two. <laughs> yeah. And um, I wanted to try to, to focus on that other one. And so, you know, it's funny how you you focus on a deer and then you kind of get distracted and, and things just kind of shift and, and, yep. and flow. Um, but I ended up shooting a – so where that – other deer was bedded. I ended up putting up a stand that day, came back in the next morning. And, um, there's another five-year-old buck in the, in the area, a different one that I called him the double fork G2 buck because you had history with him and everything. Last three years he'd had fork G2s on both sides and ended up killing him. He's a mid one fifties deer. Yeah. Stud, stud mature buck. Pretty happy with him. Um, very happy with him. Yeah. Made a good shot. He went down quick. I watched him go down. So makes you feel good. Little confidence booster for sure. For sure. Um, so then, I, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, this, the, my next tag's reserved for one of these two deer, and obviously the one that I wounded, I'd like to s- and seal the deal with. So. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have, like, a responsibility to, like, do what you can. For sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, so I, I knew, based on the camera intel, and just as much, just as important as the pictures I was getting are the cameras that weren't getting pictures of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I knew he was confined to about a 50 to 60 acre area. Like he was super comfortable there. He was very active there. Yeah. Um, so I just knew my game plan. And I talked to you a lot about this while it was going on. For right? sure. Like, yeah. I was in the play by play for the oh, most part. hundred percent. Like it was like, I'm just going to sit on this area and hope he makes a mistake. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a little bit of a mind, you know, game for me to just <laughs> yeah. stay in it because if I'm not seeing him, I'm, I'm and I'm thinking, okay, did he catch a doe and now he's three freaking farms over and I'm not gonna yeah. see him anymore? But yeah, or did he get infection and something happened? That, yeah, right. that sucks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So so I stayed I stayed true to the plan though, and then um, actually, uh, it would have been Saturday, November thirteenth, I believe, mm-hmm. um, morning. Because what's today? Wait, no, that's not right. Today's the thirteenth, so it would have been the tenth. Yeah. November 10th, um, I'm hunting the same stand where I, I got a shot at him before. And it's, you know, the rut's going crazy right now. There's, a, from the time you get, I usually get in about an hour before light. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'd get into my stand and five minutes later, you just hear bucks grunting. And I know. And you're like, oh, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then usually it seems like it's a little bit slow right at light. That's know? how I feel about it too. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so th- they were very active on, uh, on the 10th and, and, he was running all, deer were running all over it, right into the light and um I was again watching some deer down the ridge and then behind me I can see down into that draw and so I, I looked over my right shoulder and about 150 yards back behind the draw I saw a deer making a uh, rub back there and so the the way that I can really see down that draw is to turn back to my left mm-hmm. and so I was like oh there's a deer over there over my right shoulder and I turned back to my left and literally 40 yards behind me coming up out of the ravine is this deer he's looking at me he's got me pegged and by the way the camera angle and the photos that are gonna be on social don't do what that like justice what that had to have looked like him coming up out of that yeah you know he, he, I mean it's he's yeah, a framey not a lot bitch. of deer look like that um 
So he's got me pegged. He's looking at me. And then he looks over and there's a doe 25 yards away from me. It was one of those days where you can't hear anything yeah. if they're slow, but if they're running, you can hear them. Yep, um, yep. So this doe doesn't, she's not concerned about anything. She's just got her head down feeding and he's looking at her. Then he looks at me, then he looks at her, then he looks at me. And then he looked off to his right at some other deer that were a couple hundred yards down the ridge. And then he just kind of like shook his tail and walked up onto the rim of the, um, of, of that saddle. And he's basically in the exact same spot that I saw him the first time. Mm -hmm. And he walks, he's going to go behind that same forked hickory tree. And this time there was a, a tiny little deadfall tree on the ground that, you know, it doesn't even come up to their knees, but it was a very distinct um, distance marker for me. And I knew mm -hmm. this was exactly 30 yards. Mm -hmm. So I knew I've got my 30 yard pin. I know exactly how far this deer is going to be. He walks over behind the, the tree. I draw, he steps out, you know, I stop him. He stops, he looks up at me and, and I shoot and he turns and he runs down the draw super hard, the head kind of down. And I'm like, I absolutely just smoked it. Yeah. It looks like a death run or something death like that. Death run. Like yeah. I felt good. I knew I picked my 30 yard pin. I put it right on where I want, behind the shoulder where I wanted it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ran away hard. And, and I was like, this is, oh yeah. I'm texting guys like just got him. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. I can't believe it. Whatever. I can't believe I got another chance at this deer. This deer's, I've never had that happen before where I got messed up a deer and then had another opportunity at him. In the same spot, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was super excited about that. And, um, Waited a little bit because there was a lot of deer moving around. Just kind of watched the show for a little bit. Yeah, we're texting at this point. Totally. Too, and yeah. I'm like, oh, dude, toast. You toast. know, by the way you explained, he ran yeah. off. So Yeah. So I get down, and I go over to where he was standing, and I'm looking for blood, and I don't see anything. And um, and then I see my arrow about 10 yards up the, the trail where he took off, and I go grab it. And son of a bitch, if it wasn't <laughs> for the fact that it was identical to the first arrow. Four or five inches of shaft broken off and no broadhead. And I'm going what the heck oh, and i still am not 100 percent sure but i think he was just so tuned into the fact that i was up there yeah i didn't think about it during the shot you know the the truth is these animals are not stationary no they move and and when they're on pins and needles they react hard they, they can <laughs> they can especially on a longer shot like that a 30 yard shot that's probably it's enough for, time to react for, for sure a white you know? tail yeah i mean i i love you know that 15 to 18 yard distance yeah that's the sweet spot for, for a me tail, yeah. yeah and and i need to do a better job of of you know using tools to get deer a little bit closer to me i think is one of the takeaways from this season but um yeah but man everyone would have shot at him at 30 yeah no and i feel yeah. good about shooting to 30 um it's just it's a lot better to shoot at a deer whose head's down feeding in a food plot at 30 than right. a deer that knows you're in a tree, is kind of a little bit nervous about you, and, and these things happen so quickly, it's hard to process all that in the moment. For sure. Um, so long story short, um, I gave him a little bit of time. I go down and look, and there's actually some pretty good blood on this one. Um, trailed it about 150 yards, and then it just dried up. <laughs> Typical muscle hit, shoulder shot, and I'm just yep. like absolutely beside myself. Like, I can't believe I messed this up again. Um, yeah, the mental aspect of that, like the one, the deer, he's wounded twice, right? Your self confidence and what you're doing, you're yep. questioning everything. It's the worst thing a bow hunter can go through. Well, and and you know, I do know I've been doing this for 29 years now, and I do know confidence is uh, 
extremely important, mm -hmm. right? And so I tried not to let those doubts creep in too hard. Yeah. Went back and just was like, is is it me? Is it my bow? Am I shooting off to get the, get the target out? And everything was dialed right in. It was hitting right where I wanted. It felt good. I, my anchor point was fine. Everything. I mean, I knew that, you know, that told me that deer moved while the arrow was in the air. Yep. Uh, probably wasn't the best shot selection on my part. Should have should have been paying a little bit more attention to those, you know, peripheral things that come into play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so here I am. I've got two shoulder hits on the same shoulder of this deer. He's, it, it can't be good for him, right? Obviously, no. this, the first one, I feel like he maybe would have made it through winter, but I'm just like, I have to do everything I can now just to try to relocate this thing. And now there's like this pressure to like, try to get on him and like almost do him a favor in case infection sets in what right. happens if he runs a doe to an, another four miles out and dies over that you, you just don't know no closure at that there's point. a giant question mark yeah you don't you need to know more information or just i don't know what you do you get back on the pony right <laughs> you know yeah i um, was feeling for you bad man i did like i think two or three wellness checks on you that yeah, day you did <laughs> i'm like hey you're you're all right Which aren't I, you? I appreciate it um <laughs> but so i mean just took a minute, regrouped, get, just stepped back from the whole thing for a second and was just like, okay, f not not good that these two shots weren't what you wanted, um, but forget about that for right this second. How do you close it, this deer out? And mm -hmm. so my expectation was to, again, you know, knowing that he was in a 40 to 60-acre core area very regularly, um, and I knew that, that there was a standing cornfield that I knew – he was using quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I just kind of got positioned to where I could see as much ground as I could yeah, and, and just try to catch him moving. Get, right? get some clues some right. way or another. Right. Yep. Yep. So that was, that was, uh, that was Friday morning when I hit him in the shoulder the second time. And then Saturday we, um, I actually, I caught him going into the cornfield. Which is and, crazy. Yeah. yeah. About nine, uh, nine 30. Saw him go in and when you see that, you got to be like, oh, man, there's like, they, well, there he is. He couldn't believe that, right? First of yeah. all, it's like, oh, my God, there he is. And, <laughs> you know, you could tell he was hurting. He, yeah. you know, head was kind of low. Um, he he wasn't, he was, it's not like he was, are there does out in the food plot? There was, right. He was just, he there was, was no gone. pep in his step, really. Nope, but yeah. No, nope, he was, he was hurting. And so I knew, you know, I needed to get this deer killed. Um, he went into the cornfield, you know, around nine o'clock, 930 about. And so no, I was, I saw him around nine. Wanted to make a move out at 930 because I figured he was going in to lay down. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The cornfield's pretty clean, so I got... Um, it's I like got their safety room. blanket, I feel like. I, I, You know, I've seen some deer from a stand bed in corn. Right. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I feel like they let their guard down in a different way in standing corn. It's, yeah. From absolutely. what I've seen, I don't know how true that is, but... I would agree with that. Totally. Because, um, I mean, how... I, nothing can get to them. Usually. Usually, yeah. No, I agree. Um, like you see, how many, like you see those clips of like, I, I think Nick Munt stocking up on that mule deer in Sorghum. Right. And he, he's like four yards from the thing. Right, exactly. You know, like, why can you do that there? You'd never be able to do that in just grass. Well, and that's the thing that came into play for me was I've gone out and done a few spot and stalk hunts in eastern Colorado, and I've been in a cornfield with a mule deer, you know, and I've been out in the Sorghum and stuff too. And it's yeah, like, yeah. those guys are playing a little different game out there that, 99% of the time doesn't apply to what we're doing back here. Yeah, very rarely. Yeah. yeah. And yep. so this day specifically, um, this deer goes in this corn, the wind's blowing from him to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to give him an hour and let him bed down and I'm going to go see if I can find him. Yeah. And so I did. I got in there and I got I got him found. Pre he didn't go very far into the corn. Mm -hmm. right? So because 
obviously he's hurting. He's not wanting to move around too much. Yeah, yeah. So I get him located, um, and all I was doing was I was just going in on the end rows and just kind of like peeking down Glass the road. down them. Yep, and if he wasn't there, then i just real slowly and wait until the wind was blowing just enough to cover up all the sound. Yeah, yeah. Creep to the next one, peek down there, and, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 30 rows into it, and I peek <laughs> around the end, and I go, oh, shit, there he is. And How so, far was he when you first spotted him? Uh, Probably about 20 yards. Oh, geez, he was... In your lap? In my lap. Oh yeah, no, it was. This is this is just <laughs> shooting opportunity. So I set up on him, and um, my daughter Hattie has had a basketball game. I needed to head to by. I needed to be leaving the farm by noon. Um, so I was like, okay, I got two hours to sit on this deer. And you're just after nine thirty about this point. Uh, I was right about ten. Yeah, when yeah. I got to him. Okay. And so I'm just, I'm just, you know, first of all, to be twenty yards away from a one seventies deer bedded down in the corn that doesn't know you're there. That's a little freaky for a minute. That's freaky. You know, you're like, yeah, you can feel the pressure of the moment pretty fast. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, you know, to be 20 yards from the deer that you've already messed up twice and you're just desperate to finish this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it, yeah, it kind of hits you. So I'm sitting there waiting and I'm trying to be patient and I, and I was, and the wind stayed consistent and it was, everything was working in my favor, which was great. He would move his head a little bit, but he mainly he had his head down. Uh, so his rear his rear end was towards me. He was bedded the long way in the row. Mm-hmm. Um, I had nothing to shoot at, and I think I actually ended up. I took a couple pictures and some videos, and I sent one to you. And I was just like, man, I don't know. I think next shot might be my only option here. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we were like trying to figure out a game plan, and it got to the point where you know I'm on him for an hour and a half. So this is getting close to eleven thirty. Um, maybe just a little bit before that, like, dude, how are you sitting? Are you on your knees? Uh, standing up. Oh, you were standing. I was standing up. Yep. And, um, I finally got to a point where I was like, I need to make something happen, you know? And I'm looking at this deer and I can, and what I'm seeing is his, the, the back, you know, basically his butt mm-hmm. was facing me and you can, you can kind of see like if a dog's laying down or just like a deer when it's bedded, obviously that back leg, you can see that that hip roll up mm-hmm. and it like goes to their knee or whatever that is that goes down to their lower leg. Yep. That's yep. just like the hawk, the front of the hawk. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. So that's just like tucked up in front of them. And then the spine kind of rolls at an angle out to the back. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just, you know, for an hour and a half, I'm sitting there looking at this deer and I pulled binos up on him and everything. And I'm just like, so if the spine's right here and you're like legitimately breaking down anatomy in real time, hundred percent. How can you oh, make this shot? Work? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm going, okay, so his spine's up here, his leg's right here, the hip socket's back down below, it's kind of rolled down. I think I've got an angle where if I get close enough to him and I've got enough down angle at him, I think I could slip an arrow in above his hip into basically his rib, just up through the middle of his inside. Essentially just a really hard quartering shot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, kind of. Yeah, more straight away, but. Right. It, but yeah. because the deer's not straight, right? He's curved when he's bedded right, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so you're yeah. sliding it in there. Um, so I, I got to the point where I was just like, okay, as soon next time, because he'd move his head, he'd look to the right, and then he'd look straight down the row, and then he'd look back to the right. And when he was looking to the right, which was most of the time, I could just catch the back corner of his eye. And so I couldn't move at that point because I think he would have caught me. I think if you can see a deer's eye, <clears throat> they can see you. I agree. Yeah. So, so I was waiting for him to turn his head and look down the row, and when <laughs> One of the cool things is when he would do that, you know, he'd turn his head 
and you couldn't see the outsides of his antlers because they were in the corn rows. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, so all, all you could see. So were, was he looking into the wind? Yes. That surprises me. I, well, that was his big mistake, right? Yeah. I mean, so he betted just just perfectly for me. I, I, I mean, a lot of things happened there that meant to be, maybe. I guess, yeah. So, so I'm sitting here going, okay, I need to make something happen. So I I get to out of the end rows into his row, mm -hmm. and when he turned his head to look away, I just drew, and I'm at twenty, I'm at probably eighteen yards now because I took two steps closer to him. So I draw. And as the wind's just, it's not a bad wind, but it's enough to make enough noise to cover me. Yeah, yeah. I just start walking towards him. And what I'm expecting him to do is is hear me or catch me moving or something and like pick his head up and look back. And I was going to either shoot him in the neck at that point or if I got close enough, slide one in from behind. Yep. And when I got to seven yards, I said, I think Seven I, yards. Let's yeah. talk about that for a second. Yep. You So you're full draw walking from 18 to seven yards. Correct. Down a row of, of cornet this deer. You had to have been shitting. I mean, it was just one of those things where you're in the moment and you've got this plan and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm going to go it's game time. actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if someone tried to describe it to you and you you're put just drop yourself in there right at that second, yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but I had an hour and a half in this deer's world to, to kind of... Smooth it over with yourself. I visualized this whole thing, you know, a hundred times <laughs> while I was standing there. Yeah. So I walk up, uh, or I creep up to him and um, I hit him and he it just explodes out of his bed. And um, runs to the left, runs back to the right. And it sounds like someone's driving a truck through the corn, you know. I mean, he was just knocking down stalks left and right. Yeah. And then it just stops, and I can hear him breathing real heavy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's down. And so I kind of, like, slowly creeped up a little bit further. And I look over, and, like, four rows through through the rows, like, not open, across the rows, I, I catch his, his head move just a little bit. And so I just stopped, and I looked at him. And uh, I could see his back hip, and just above his back hip, I could see my... Fletch, my, my arrow was buried to the fletchings above his hip. And I He's was like, full shafted at this yeah. point. Yeah. So I know I've got guts. I know I've got liver. Probably, maybe a lung, maybe, probably. Yep. Probably got through the diaphragm and hopefully got a lung. Um, and so if, if I'm getting all of that, I'm thinking, yeah, he's not going to make yeah, it very long. Yeah, he's toast. Yeah, definitely. So I stood there and I watched him for another half an hour and he didn't take one step. Was he, was he moving his head at that point? Very, very, very little. Mm -hmm. You know, he was breathing pretty hard, um, but he did not move forward, backwards, anything at all. He just stood right in one spot. And so having to get out of there at noon, I just, I knew I had to back out. Um, and I, <sighs> what a, what a weird scenario to was, like leave It was crazy, him. right? Um, <laughs> so realistically, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to give him some space. He has no clue what just happened. Yeah. If I could have bet, you know, a large sum of money on him being laying right there dead when I came back, I would I would have made that bet. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I go, um, go to the game, come back, and it's, you know, so that was, I shot him at 11.30, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I come back at, uh, I think it was almost dark, so like 4.45, 5 o'clock. And my, my expectation is he's either laying there hurting real bad and I can put one more in him yeah. or he's dead. Yeah. And uh, I got over there. I marked it on Onyx and um, I went back to where it was and uh, there was no sign of him. No blood, no anything. Because, I mean, that shot angle and where you're going into the body, there's not a lot to bleed yeah, you right were, there if you don't catch that artery. For sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I wasn't concerned about that too much. Um, and where he was located in this field, 
there's really only two spots he could go. There's two fingers of timber that come out into this field, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I was quite certain he'd go one way or the other. So you know, got in touch with. Plus the deer. two, you know this deer's behavior. Hundred percent. Yeah, I knew. I mean, for the most, for what? Yeah, I mean, again, he's I mean, right, obviously, <laughs> where he was at this cornfield, he was right in the middle of all of the stuff that he was doing. Yeah, this was like right in the center. So I, I felt very good about that. I felt good that he wasn't going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got out of there, came back, gathered up you know, the crew. And, um, we knew he was in one of those two fingers. And so we just went out there and lo and behold, he, he went about, I don't know, 20 yards into the timber and, and he was laying right next to a big tree and we Dude, walked right up to him. How cool is that? That was amazing. And to it, have you guys there was even better. Devin and Andy came along Yep, yep. and, uh, it was a party. I mean, we, it, what it was for me really was just a release of, okay, finally this is over. <sighs> yeah. You know? For sure. Um, well, it's it was, funny because it really we, we went in basically body searching. Right. And we get down into this like low spot and we're like, do you think he'd be, oh, he's right there. You yeah, know, he's like exactly. just laying there next to this giant tree. And then, yep. dude, going up and watching you just pick his head up. Yeah. And we're all high five yeah. and yelling. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Cause it was a little bit pins and needles going back in there, not knowing exactly where he was and, and uh, to get him located was. Yeah. One of the coolest things we've We did it pretty quick. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could have taken us a lot longer. We were fortunate to walk on the way we did, but it's funny having Devin, Devin, Whitetail Devin, you know, a Utah guy. I was like, uh, hey, you know, Devin's going to yell in your woods, right? And I was like, well, you're tagged out. So I guess you don't really care what's going on. (laughs) No, it didn't bother me a bit. And honestly, the way these bucks have been behaving the last week or two, I don't think it bothered any of them either. I don't think it does. It's been wild. That was a cool night. We just sat by this deer for, I don't know, what did we do? Just sit there for an hour and just like everyone. Fondled them a little yeah. bit, took some pictures, took some group photos, and yep. Yep. just an absolute beast, man. Yeah, and I've never, I've never set up a season to go after an individual deer before. Um, I've known there were good deer in the area and tried to put in time to get an opportunity at them, but yeah, I've never set a stand for a specific deer. I've never gone on a hunt and said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm literally, my intention on this hunt is to go shoot this deer. I've never done that before, and I did with him and. Um, it was just a really special situation where he was he was so regular in that area and I had such history with him knowing how he kind of traversed it and and it just you know worked out really well for me he's beautiful man everything yeah. about this deer is amazing yeah i just i you know there is a, a bit of me that feels really bad that he had to take two arrows before i got him killed but um i'm just glad it, it resolved the way it did well you know you had a responsibility to like do what you can now if you don't have any information and you're yeah. kind of out you i mean you can only do so much right. but um, I think what you did was, for the unfortunate circumstances, you did the most ethical thing and you committed yourself to yeah. close the book on this thing. So, I mean, not only for your mental stability, but for the ethics yeah. and the animal and then the pursuit of what we do and what we love to do, Yeah, but just absolutely beautiful. And going after a specific buck is really fun. But I feel like mentally it can tap into you in weird ways as the season goes on, where there's also a beauty in just hunting in an area where you know big deer frequent mm-hmm. and you know, hunting for the known habit or previous habits of big deer. Absolutely. But when you go into a spot and you're like, all right, I'm gonna hunt this buck, I'm making this move, like you said, you're mowing trails over the summer with this deer in mind. Absolutely. So that weighs a little bit. When you set up trail cameras, you're thinking about this deer. Right. So that adds to the pressure a little bit. Right. When you hang a stand, you're thinking about this deer the entire time. Every time yep. you are daydreaming on the way to the farm, you're thinking about 
this deer. Yeah. So it adds like this exciting and maybe unnecessary pressure a little bit. Well, the experience for me was um, all of those things for sure. Yeah. And it, it was almost like, okay, this the pre, the pregame portion of it before the season opened <laughs> yeah it was just like building like I said building that expectation and putting that little bit of pressure that I didn't even realize I was putting on myself yeah with this deer on me and that was all that was all okay I liked I, I didn't mind any of that but then the prob the the hard part for me was going in um you know obviously having the encounter with him the first time I went out to hunt him was great mm-hmm. uh, not getting it done was rough but then having that Oh, I haven't gotten a picture of him in two days. Did he leave? Um, yeah. He hasn't come back. I, I messed this spot up. He's not going to come back through here. I should be going after a different deer or in a different spot or just yeah, second guess. What move do you make? Guess, and, you know, yeah. For sure. Yeah, because that's the hardest thing about whitetails. Whitetails get very mental very fast. Right. But, you know, I think, too, it's like I think targeting a certain deer, and I'd be curious, like it'd be kind of interesting to ask Mark about it. Like, yeah. okay, Cause I'm that way. Like I've killed some great deer, but I want to kill the ultra mega deer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I've had opportunities to hunt them, but what I do, I put that pressure on myself for the deer. And then once the moment happens, it's a lot to handle. Right. And I think the key is almost removing yourself from like, this deer is almost like a magical being mm-hmm. in a weird way. No, you like, do. We you put do an that aura to them. Absolutely. And I mean, it's hard. I tell myself that quite a few times this season where I was just like, He's just a deer. Just a deer. He's just he's gonna do deer things. He's no different than the one fifties class buck he shot with no problem, didn't think twice about it and watched him fall. That's right. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. He's got different headgear. That's it. Really. But like we almost put like a prince type purple aura around some of these deer. You know what I mean? And it's like they oh man. When you hunt a certain buck, that's where a lot of the like when you're playing cat and mouse, it seems like you're zigging and he's zagging. That's where you almost feel they have critical thinking right? when a lot of it's just by chance, probably. Oh, 100% by chance, without a doubt. I mean, <laughs> just even even as small as didn't get a picture of him for three or four days. Well, did he walk on the other side of the camera? More than likely. You know what I mean? He's still in there. <laughs> He's just likely. 20 yards over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's crazy. That's also what makes it so awesome. 100%, without a doubt. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely in agreement. I, I don't wish that purple aura vibe away from Big Deer, <laughs> but I think it's learning how to mentally manage it when you're in the situation. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I'm stoked for you, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate this it. I'm, I'm really happy. Absolute yeah. hammer. He, he was... Right around 180 with some. I mean, he's got some broken stuff, so yeah, I, I'll call yeah. him 180. Well, uh, you're being generous. I appreciate it, but he's. <laughs> he's I don't really giant. care. I mean, that, that's just a number at that point. You know, just the whole experience was yeah. pretty amazing, and he's uh, he's special. So this deer probably stands out more than a lot. Of, I mean, I know you got some giants, but this yeah. deer's pretty special. He's yeah, very special for sure. Cool, yeah. tagged out, brother. What are you gonna do with all this time? Well, you know, it kind of is is a really um, a cool thing to be able to have an opportunity now to maybe dig into some of the other spots of the farm that I've kind of had, a, you know, down on the list of maybe I should check these areas out yeah, and, yeah. and play around with it a little bit and see what's going on with some other spots and try some new blinds and just... You can freestyle now. Freestyle. Yeah, exactly. Roll Gain some intel bit. and... Yep, that's it. That's it. It's awesome. Well, thanks for letting us be a part of the recovery, man. 100%. That was that was a party. That's that's the days we live for as whitetail hunters, man. It don't get no better. I tell... I have a good friend of mine, uh, Nick Massa, that I tell, I said, you know there's not enough days in a man's life like this. And that was one of those days last night where you just don't get to do that enough times in your life to, 
I said that so, to you too when we were cruising over to go yeah. like, look for him. Like the moment you're in right now is a pretty sweet moment. Hundred percent. So yep. I'm just glad it worked out. Me too. I felt real bad if he would have been there now. <laughs> <laughs> but we got him. Yep. So, here he is. And you made quick work, man. Got him. Yep. Got him all uh, yep. butchered up and yep. caped, and yep. here he is on the studio table. Yep. Might be the quickest turnaround time as far as recording a podcast after. Pretty quick. Get it? Yeah. A day later. Two it don't get any faster. Yeah, really. Exactly. So fresh off the press, I'm going to now edit this podcast, Very submit good. it, and you guys will listen to this one as fresh as it could possibly be. So uh, congrats, buddy. Yeah, a lot of season left out there. I hope everybody stays strong, and um, there's definitely going to be some more big ones going down. Stay strong. Stay strong. Good luck out there. There's still we still got half of November. That's right. You know, holidays kind of. Tell your family to screw off. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> do what you got to do to get yourself more time hunting when it when it counts. So. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, watching, and listening. Congrats, Todd. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank Killing you. it. Yep. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. See you next week. Later.